You're listening to Cobb Conversations on the Business of Brands with Sudeep Chawla and Sharavana Raghavan. Hi Sharan. Hey Sudeep. You don't seem as chirpy as you usually are. Don't worry, I am pretty chirpy today as well. Okay. No, I thought it has got to do the topic that you seem to have picked for yourself. Some prickly topic it seems must have had some narrative around it some story around it in your recent conversations with your clients so we'll possibly discover it during the conversation today you know this is something that not many people speak about especially the marketers and is usually left to uh, finance guys to talk about and discuss and push the marketers on but i like the fact that you picked it up now did your wife have any role in you picking this topic you discovered this while you were on a shopping spree with her we're talking about pricing by the way for our listeners and sharan has picked pricing i'm just trying to find out what triggered the choice of this topic okay it's not nothing to do with my wife but it's got a lot to do with my clients so i had a couple of clients where i had this exact same problem with them rather the same conversation and i realized this mindset is pretty prevalent across the business community and uh, most people who are looking to build brands don't necessarily take pricing as seriously as they should and that is something which i thought needed addressing and even for the listeners who are listening to the podcast it's about thinking about pricing from a brand lens hmm interesting so you're saying they don't take pricing very seriously and they're not thinking about it from a brand lens okay Can you just explain that a bit more? Sure. So th- there are brands that end up having a wrong price if I can call it that because it's not thought through the brand narrative and the brand experience and the price do not go in sync. What happens here is that your price is a part of the brand experience. and you cannot let that like you said be dictated by other functions or third parties or it cannot be treated as an uncontrollable for example i saw a recent circular an announcement from this brand called pretamanger which said their costs are going up because coffee prices have gone up across the world and therefore they are upping their prices they were basically rationalizing the price increase that they've done now yes they are a budget coffee chain and therefore they are justifying why they're going slightly out of budget but can you imagine starbucks ever doing that starbucks would never say i'm charging you more because coffee has become expensive they're charging you more nevertheless they're not going to drop prices because coffee becomes cheaper so it's about who charges why they're charging and why the how the context of price fits into the context of the brand hmm interesting so there is brand narrative and then there is pricing and uh, i hear you i think i also agree with you but it seems like a chicken and egg problem what comes first the narrative or the pricing i think the narrative comes first i think you put it brilliantly in one of the previous episodes which said the brand starts even before the business does and that dictates the price you're going to play at a lot of businesses take the backseat approach to pricing right 
So there are different ways. There are theoretically speaking, there are different pricing strategies. I'm not going to go into that today. So what we can do is towards the end, we could say what examples apply to each of the strategies that that are theoretically spoken of, but in a more practical sense, how was pricing decided today? I want to get into a category. I look at players and I want to benchmark with their price. I look at market leaders. I want to benchmark with their price. I want to sell undersell to them. I want to give a superior product. Everybody who is in the, at least in the FMCG space, says we are we want to give more for less. And that's the mantra they hold to their heart. And nothing wrong with that. But the starting point is the bigger companies are making too much margin. We figure out a way. We charge only less. You figure out a way to do what? To take less margin. But anybody can. And do you really think you are value engineering a product better than the, the conglomerates that are doing it in your category? Very unlikely. So why exactly are you able to charge less? Because your appetite for the margin is less. Okay. But what does that do to your brand? Do you have a brand? Are you, what is your brand thinking around it? And that is where the entire pricing goes for toss. Hmm. Okay. I hear you possibly saying two things. One is that people, a lot of the business think that they will be insurgent brands against some of the incumbents by either undercutting them with lesser margins in in some cases they might have done some uh, you know some kind of breakthrough to value engineer their products better let's give them that chance or the third piece which we are seeing lots and lots today is discounting so there is vc money flowing in and uh, therefore my first i am a founder my first instance is to try and get as many consumers to sample my surveys, sample my product and add them to my list as of now. And therefore, if I'm trying to build that tribe, as we, as we call them, so then I'm able to discount and possibly justify that as a CAC, customer acquisition cost. Right. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. But before that, I want to talk about what you spoke about value engineering a product, right? If you are building a value brand, as in you're going to offer the best or the cheapest solution that has never before been done in the category, then great, by all means, do it. But that requires a lot of effort. If you, you want to reach out to the bottom of the pyramid, you must have a distribution muscle to scale it up. You need to source specifically. Or if you choose to go into the luxury segment, you cannot build a Ferrari and then be jealous of Maruti Suzuki's volumes. It's, it's about who you're competing with also. And pricing also determines how you source. It cannot be because I source that I'm going, to, I'm going to price it this way. Customer doesn't care. So there was a project I once worked on which required turmeric to be imported from Indonesia versus a local product which was using a turmeric which was of inferior quality. Now, there was a big fight with R&D, not to deliver an inferior product, but to say, how am I going to educate the consumer on the premium I'm going to charge because I'm using turmeric from Indonesia? So these are things I'm saying, 
for the consumer who is going to pay 20 rupees for the product there is competition at 20 i can't price it at 40 because i've decided to source something that is so exclusive and use a phenomenal ingredient and that might not even be delivering to the benefit the consumer is looking for as in it could be over delivering but that need not be the consumer's expectation of the category or the product or the brand so the brand needs to set the context of what expectations the consumer should have and then price it accordingly. And just about being careful about the brand's positioning in the sense that the pricing should enhance your brand narrative. It should never be the disruptor in the narration. Okay. I completely agree with that. In fact, for one of the exercises that I was doing when I was part of the candy category, Mm-hmm. We looked at the manufacturing footprint of Parley. Ah, yeah. okay. And uh, the reason I mentioned Parley is because you we were talking about bottom-up pyramid, volume, pricing, product, etc. So, Parley G obviously is the undisputed king in that particular category. Absolutely. And I don't think I, anybody has ever been able to disrupt them. I don't remember the exact count. Broadly, I think there were 30 plus factories that Parley G have across the country. Do you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. Is that because they distribute to a limited kilometer radius? Yes. So, it's a voluminous product and the production process is not very complicated. So, one way is that you really make scale production and transport it across India. The other way is that you don't make scale production, you produce according to localized scale and then don't transport beyond a certain 150, 200, 300 kilometer radius. That's brilliant. Thereby, number one, you deliver fresher product. Number two, the breakage is lower because Parleji tends to break. And number three, you are also able to save on your transportation cost. Yeah, and also your packaging cost. Packaging cost. Because your your breakage is lower. You don't have to over-engineer your packaging also. Correct, correct. And, you know, you can develop packaging vendors across the country then. And your packaging needn't flow, all of your packaging needn't flow to one particular place and then go from there, etc, etc. Absolutely. Yeah, so it kind of opened our eyes to saying, okay, oh, uh, a company of this kind has 30 plus factories. That's tremendous. That's scale, right? That's building scale. Yeah. So we spoke about low priced products and, you know, we haven't really spoken about how to uh, think about pricing when you're just starting up. Now, what about mid-range products? Those who are not looking to compete at scale. It's the same on scale, right? Because volumes are replaced by margins as you premiumize. And that curve as it doesn't really change. And for all products, I'd like to focus on the customer experience and not just the product. When you talk about just the product, it's there are umpteen number of great products that don't work because the overall experience is not delivered. Now, the product, yes, has to meet a basic standard. But above that, it's all experience. There is a luxury lipstick brand that I know of, as in they reached out to me. I did a diagnosis for them and I really couldn't find a solution. And that was a conversation we had because they're a luxury lipstick brand. And they invested heavily on the product. And they ended up pricing themselves outside the market. So they had looked at global best lipstick. And they said, I'm going to make the world's best lipstick. And they launched it at about 
1800 rupees which is not the worst but they never built a brand narrative around it to justify the pricing they just said because the world's best lipstick is selling at 2500 rupees i have made a better version of it and i'm selling it at lesser than 2500 but they had value engineered the hell out of the rest of it and like i said it's rarely about the product and they just could not get any traction in the market because nobody knew why the brand should be even worth 1800 consumers are like well, i mean i'm getting something at 350 400 why should i pay 1800 for your product they had over engineered the product and value engineered the frills which they thought were not important you know when you say frills just give me an example what frills are you talking about everything is part of the experience from where they come to know of the brand where they see the brand where they buy the brand after they buy the brand so there's a saying that people never pay for the packaging of the brand but they pay for the whole package of the brand they pay for how it's delivered to them the entire experience of what the package does so the best example is cadbury celebrations regular retail available products put into a gift box which looked grand which looks celebratory and that was the package that people weren't paying for the packaging but for the package of being able to gift a celebrations box and that's what this brand had missed out and they did not deliver value in the form of experience listening to gob conversations on the business of brands your hosts are sudeep chawla marketing practitioner business leader and educator to advertising and marketing professionals and sharavana raghavan of vitral brand expertise growth consultants to consumer facing brands and businesses for more information go to gobcast .net If you find this podcast helpful please help us by telling your friends and rating us So now you have value engineered your frills you right. haven't built a narrative around your brand right so therefore by and large it's quite likely that you will not get the kind of sales that you're envisaging absolutely yeah so therefore what they did had to write off discount exactly so all the inventory had become dead stock even before consumers got a chance to see it and they had to sell well below cost to salvage whatever they could i have actually seen a number of times where even premium brands discount yeah 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 so it's not that you know your calvin klein and your tommy hilfiger etc don't have discounts i've seen them doing discounting so i don't think discounting is such a bad word is it <laughs> no it i make it sound like one it isn't all bad so and see we all started in sales right you can never take the salesman away from us and discounts drive sales and i'm not against that at all i just have a problem with how it's used i find it odd when every brand you open their website and it says 25% off all site wide <laughs> i find that hilarious because your website is the recreation of your retail store 
just when a consumer or shopper walks into your store, will you tell the shopper, come in, everything is at a discount? How is the shopper going to feel? If you push your discount at the point of awareness, that supersedes the entire narrative. If I introduce you to a brand, which is supposed to be premium, and tell you this is available at 50% off at the awareness stage, then you always look at it as a discount brand. You can never build the premium imagery after that. But if I manage to grab your attention with the brand narrative, and at the point of sale, where just when you're still undecided on making the point of sale, there I give you a discount. I'm just flipping you over into a shopper who's deciding in favor of my brand. Today, what's happening is that a lot of the brands don't have the confidence in their narrative to bring the consumer from the point of awareness to decision. Despite all the work, all the intention that they have in building the brand narrative, they start with the discount conversation. And that's when the brand goes for a toss. Like you said, even the top brands keep giving discounts, but it's all about price anchoring. Once the consumer knows what the price of the product is. So you can't, it's not equivalent to saying 999 and score it out and say 599. No, that's not anchoring. 599 becomes the price point a consumer is aware of. When it's 999, hold on to 999 and spend the time justifying the 999 through the consumer journey. At the point of checkout, if you can give them a discount just today only or just for this week, or just a bulk discount, then you're never a discount brand. You've just used discount as what it's supposed to be used as a conversion tool. Otherwise, you're using discount as the awareness tool, as the interest tool, as every stage of the consumer journey, that's all you're talking about. Apple, nobody buys Apple because it is cheap. People know Apple is a premium product. And still, every day you open the newspaper, front page, they tell you how affordable Apple is. Because they've done the price anchoring for one lakh and above. And the print ad is to tell you how, what all you need to do to be able to afford it at 60k or 50k. Correct. Except selling your kidney. Exactly. And that is price anchoring. But constantly speaking of discounts, it just doesn't work. Hmm. Okay. Your hmm. Apple example actually makes me think that Apple spends on building desirability for their brand the entire year round. So on TV, you will not see the same stuff that you see in newspapers. TV would still be talking about excellent imagery, uh, foreign locales, how can Apple iWatch save your life and stuff like that. And then on print, they will make sure that you understand the mechanics of the discount. And I call it mechanics because they're not offering you a discount. They will say this much for cashback, this much this, this much this. So they're making you work for the discount. They're clear. Similarly, for your luxury brands. They will make you drool over their products the year round. And then once a year, season sale, off-season sale, whatever they call it, they will offer you a some sort of a discount so that you come walk in, immediate convert from conversion to sale. Exactly. Because they've had the confidence to hold you with the narrative for so long that they've readied you for the purchase. Now they're using the discount as a fill-up right into the purchase occasion, mm-hmm. which is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Now on the second side, Sharon, suppose you're a startup founder and you have a vision where you want to democratize something. We spoke about Lenskart earlier. So Lenskart is about democratizing 
quality i wear and therefore you will be pricing your products in a certain manner they have sub brands which have occupy a little bit more premium pricing also but the face of the brand is about democratizing pricing yeah democratizing product even their advertising with current jewelry etc all talks about the fact that we don't price beyond this level right right yeah now for them when they start they would might not have had the scale which is required to possibly you know take it to crores of indians but as long as the founder is clear that i want to democratize therefore i am pricing this way and i am building towards this scale yeah and I, therefore i am creating my unit economics my scale up strategy etc in this manner then you can clearly say that the narrative is fine pricing is fine and the other parts of the mix which is scale and everything else will will come in eventually right that's true because you look at how they've built lenskart right they've built it as a value brand and right from the start they have been looking at everything at scale and that is why i admire lenskart is that because i believe they are the countries amongst very few real d2c companies they do their own manufacturing and they are able to engineer the entire value chain to ensure the product is delivered at a lower cost to the customer one advantage also lenskart has is that there is no incumbent in the category there are many brands in the sunglasses category there's no brand in the powered glass category at all there's no one national brand no big brand in the powered glass category until you have the vision to build at scale don't dare playing in the value segment or play in a very small niche okay do you have an example of a niche anything could be a niche so there is this razor that i saw it is a single blade razor but apparently a very sharp razor i think they were also on the us shark tank i keep forgetting the name i'll try and get the name so they are playing in a very very small niche of people who like the the old fashioned single blade shaving and who they going going for another brand that comes to mind is is william penn william penn is for fountain pen enthusiasts primarily and people who like the old school style i am a fountain pen crazy guy i have like i think half my salary is gone into fountain pen also my wife says because there are some 25 30 fountain pens that i have so i can't walk by a william penn and not stop i might buy in one of my 20 occasions of stoppings but i just love being being in william penn because everybody at william penn knows about pens they talk about the angles they talk about the nib texture every salesman in the store and it's an indian brand and i love how it's been built and i think it's been acquired it's been invested so that's a niche is talking to such a targeted niche and they've stuck to it and they're playing in the premium spectrum hmm. and which also means that they're tam or total addressable market is a small one yes a small tam is not so bad for a startup because everybody says i want to operate in a large tam market the point is when you're in a large tam market your competition also going to be higher and smaller the tam it's even better you you can actually get your brand narrative sorted so seth gordon has this point where he says smallest viable audience to create mm. a brand following mm. so anyway that's a, that's a digression but it doesn't need to be a micro niche 
but then you need to have a narrative which appeals to a certain set of audience to command a premium hmm. or you must have scale to play in the value segment simple as that and for example sharan uh, sometimes so there is brand pricing and then there is sku pricing sometimes you see some very good even if not premium mid premium brands having low priced sku's yeah and therefore how do you reconcile you know the the two would the would a low price sku lower their premiumness not really so for example the my favorite example for this is a dove dove in india spent about 15 years establishing its premiumness without even referring to it as itself as soap because the comparison was soap and dove is one fourth moisturizing cream and its soap is a bathing bar it's not a soap and all that was built up now after that they launched the dove shampoo the premiumness the brand narrative was established for so long it no longer needed pricing to justify the premiumness and it is a difference between affordability and accessibility when dove launched the sachet it did not when all shampoos were selling at 1 rupee the dove sachet cost 3 rupees basically it was actually the dove sachet was 3 times more premium than the regular sachet and the when the bottle was 1 and a half times more premium than the regular bottle of shampoo actually if you look at a price comparison the sachet is far more expensive but it created access to people who who one day wanted to use dove were now able to use dove so the 3 rupees they might not buy it as the everyday shampoo but they'll use it once a week for their sunday bath or when they're going for a wedding or a special occasion they'll want to use the dove shampoo for it now whether the product delivers same experience as it does in a bottle i don't know but what what's important is that the consumer believe that it does and that belief is given by the brand narrative and the 3 rupees is not devaluing the premiumness is actually technically even or mathematically it's enhancing the premiumness but it's aiding the brand narrative hmm okay so you're saying it is pivoted around accessibility more than anything else so making a brand accessible thereby possibly increasing the tam right in future they might come around and buy it absolutely so therefore what i learned through this conversation sharan is is the fact that pricing is a very strategic decision rather than just leaving it to you know determining pricing as a multiple of input prices plus whatever margin you think you can charge upon it one should really think about what is the brand narrative and what role does pricing play in augmenting the narrative further now you could be an incumbent or an insurgent you could be a volume player or a niche player but your pricing again would be determined by the kind of role that you want to play in that particular category now you could go with the right kind of pricing which suits your narrative and then you don't need to worry too much even if you think your pricing is very niche your pricing is very high your market is very small because like you said that lower tam is not so bad in india any low tam also is in crores number 1 <laughs> and number 2 as you said that lower tam means lower competition sometimes a lot of the times 
and therefore you might be able to create a niche for you very well yeah versus going for something with a very high tam where you will find competition snapping at your heels all the time Absolutely. from one direction or the other and hence therefore for all the startup founders business owners etc who are listening to us this is an invitation to look at relook at your pricing see what connotation does your pricing create in the minds of the consumer who is receiving it and then make sure that your pricing speaks to your narrative and supports your narrative yeah once you do that you will be able to use it very very strategically right excellent i think i i really love this uh, sharan it's something that not too many marketers talk about i'm glad that we did i, I think it just opens your eyes to uh, more levers than you thought were available to any brand brand owner or a business owner oh yeah that's the intention because it kind of has hit my peripheral vision and conversations a little too much in the recent days so i thought we should talk about it very nice and to the customers or prospective customers of vitrel now you know why sharan prices the way he prices thank you for justifying my value value justification you have to do at least now your clients know what are you trying to do when you are giving them a certain pricing <laughs> thank you so much thank you sharan thank you very much thank you for listening to cob conversations on the business of brands with sudeep chawla and sharavana raghavan subscribe and learn more at cobcast.net that's c o b b c a s t dot net